excited to have here. He is a music mogul, he is an entrepreneur, and he's currently bringing the story of Destiny's Child a musical to the stage. Mr. Matthew Knowles. What's up, sir? Hey, Clay. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you for being here. I want that jacket. Oh, finish. you like it? Yeah, yeah. it's nice. It's yeah. Urban Outfitters. It's, it's still it's still keeping up. It has Matthew Knowles all over it. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, listen, Destiny's Child coming to the stage as far as a musical, it'll premiere in Houston next year, correct? Yeah, we wanted to, to have it start there because that's course, where home. Destiny's Child starts. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And then, then it's going to go to London and then hopefully uh, hit Broadway, uh, right? Uh, hopefully Broadway and Australia. Oh, nice, nice. So, Mr. Knowles, why is the time for a Destiny's Child musical? Well, the time is because the girls aren't getting any younger. None of us. <laughs> they are. still look amazing. Though. They still look. They still look amazing. Yes. Uh, but the timing is now, as we see the Temptations musicals. Brilliant musical. Uh, we're really in that age. Tina now. Turner's music coming coming out. Yeah. Uh, and we're surrounding the musical with uh, a book that I'm writing, Destiny's Child: The Untold Story along with original music uh, that the ladies uh, went into the studio in 1992. How old were you then, Clay? Oh, I was about 14-ish, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what 13 I thought. 13-ish. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to surround it with, with those three things. and wow. uh, We're really excited about it. We're right now in the process of completing the, the script. Uh, Jacarius Johnson yes. uh, is the playwright mm -hmm. and, and uh, co-producer. Uh, and and really excited about telling those 30 years almost mm. of what the ladies went through from losing on Star Search to yes. getting... Yes, they were girls' time, right? Yeah, yeah, getting dropped on Electra Records. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of failures. Yeah. A lot, a lot of failures. Yeah. But failure is an opportunity to grow, not a reason to quit. Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the things that I love about your story, Mr. Knowles, is that you're working in corporate America, you know, do, doing well, and you leave corporate America to go into the, the the music business. And I know a lot of people right now listening, they want to leave their job and follow their passion. But how how did you know? Did you know it would be this successful? Were you afraid to, to, to make this big change? Or did you have a dream? Did God speak to you? Because you kind of, you went over the stratosphere with it, you know? Well, you know, I, I always give credit to those 20 years of corporate America. Mm. I was in marketing and sales uh, and was fortunate, grateful to be highly successful. Number one sales rep worldwide in the medical division of Xerox. Mm. Uh, one of the first blacks to sell CT and MRI scanners in America. One of the first blacks to be a neurosurgical specialist with Johnson & Johnson. So I had a varied background in marketing and sales. When I went into the music industry with the ladies, um, the music industry was in the record business. Mm. I was in the branding and endorsement business, mm. which is different. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we branded uh, Destiny's Child and, and the ladies and was quite successful and brought a lot of partners like L'Oreal, Pepsi-Cola, uh, that had these tremendous marketing budgets and not just the marketing budget of the record label. Mm -hmm. That is interesting because although you had like Madonna and Michael doing endorsements, you didn't really see that with a lot, a lot of R&B artists. It right. was, that, that, was, that, was, that was groundbreaking for the time. And, and, and if you think back to it, whenever you saw those commercials, it also had the music in the commercials. Absolutely, yeah. So you had the music and you got another check, by the way, for mm -hmm. that. Uh, and if you co-wrote the song, you got another check. Right. Uh, but more importantly, 
when you look at the audience, because you know, I teach this. I, yeah. I'm a college professor. At, at Texas Southern University? Well, now I'm, uh, next semester I'm at Prairie View. Okay, a- a- okay. Nice, nice. Uh, but it's a simple formula in, in the music industry. Audience equals sales. Mm-hmm. He who has the largest audience typically sells the most. Mm-hmm. And, and when you bring those major corporate partnerships, they bring a huge audience. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I love, uh, I don't know if this is going to be in the musical or not, but I heard the story. It, it, it may not be true, but I wanted to ask you that when you were that when your when your kids were young, you know, y'all are doing fairly well. Right. And that you supposedly drove them to an area of Houston to see how how blessed they were to see, like, you know, here's here's what you're not going through. Here's what other folks are going through. Is that true? And if it is, tell me about that. I thought that was really you interesting. You want me to give away <laughs> all of the play? That could be an opening scene. All of the book. Come on, Clay. I'll just say this. Um, it wasn't, it was, it was Beyonce. She was real young, like nine, ten years old. Right. Um, and I think it was a defining moment for her because... You know, a lot of artists even today, they sing a song, but they don't interpret the song. Mm. And and I tell a lot of uh, artists, you can't sing about love if you've never been in love. And and you can't imagine the poverty and the challenges of poor and homelessness unless you actually experience that. So I wanted her to experience that. Mm. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. But we go in detail with that story. Yeah. No, that's that's important. That's important. Uh, are the are the are the ladies involved in uh in in the show? What's their involvement? Well, you know, we will let them review the script because the story, the the musical is from my perspective. Right, right. Uh, so we certainly will let them review the script and give their feedback mm-hmm. uh, because you know they're Destiny's Child. So yeah. we we want them to be as much involved or as little involved. And how's this audition process going to be? I mean, man, oh man, you gotta, you gotta find some 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 beast out there. To <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, but there might be an opportunity though to the three ladies that play Destiny's Child could be an opportunity. Okay. Okay. I'll just leave that at that. Fans would love that. <laughs> they would love that. Uh, there was a book you had that came out called "Racism from the Eyes of a Child." And uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a political guy, but I'm a music geek as well. And one of the things that I loved is that you talked about this research study that was done on colorism in the music industry, and it found that over a 15-year period, it was overwhelmingly lighter-skinned women who would get top 40 airplay. It was uh, Alicia Keys, Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, Beyonce. Uh, tell us about Mariah that. Carey. Mariah, tell us about um, that study because I was like, this is this is important to know, right? That people yeah, don't talk about. Yeah, that. actually, it was uh, one of my classes at Texas Southern. We have a, a degree there that I help create called Entertainment Recording Management. You actually get a degree in that. So uh, they actually did research, and what they found was exactly what you said, because in the music industry, there's still segregation. As you know, there used to be the black division. Oh, yeah. Race uh, records. Right. Race yeah. records. Uh, and s- programmers, especially at pop radio, uh, has this imagery of what beauty looks like. Mm. And, and, and they they wanted that image imagery to be the same that's singing those records. Mm. And if you look back, even at Whitney Houston, if you look at those photos, how they lighten her. Yeah. To make her look lighter complexion. Yeah. Because there's a, a perception in 
colorism. The lighter that you are, the smarter, the more economically, uh, you know, there's a perception mm-hmm. all, all around the world about color, even with black folks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a perception. Yeah, absolutely. How, how different do you think Beyonce's career would have been if she were a darker-skinned woman? I think it would. She would have had a. It would have affected her success. Mm. Uh, and I use uh, Kelly Rowland oh, as yeah. an example. Great um, songs, yeah. Um, you know, she's a great example. I love Stolen. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. But you know, the great thing is Kelly did exceptional outside of America, mm. especially in Australia. Uh, Kelly sold over four million records. She just yeah. got off script. Yeah. And that's, that's unfortunate that it takes for a darker-skinned woman to go outside of the country and get the love that she deserves. No, that's, it's not. It's I'll not? tell you why, Clay. Tell me. Because there's 7.5 billion people on this planet. Mm-hmm. There's only 300 million people in America. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd much rather go and talk to the 6.7 billion people than mm-hmm. 300 million. Mm-hmm. So... The number one consumer of music is Japan. Number two is the UK. United States is number three. I'm a geek, so you know we get okay. on this stuff. Man. Okay, I love it. That's good. To know. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote that. I'm gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good to know. Uh, one of the things is that you know, as far as your story, you grew up in in Houston during desegregation, and you talked about in your book uh, about being attacked by the KKK and you know, kind of integrating schools. Uh, considering that. What do you? Th- I hear people saying in this Trump era that we're going backwards. We're going backwards. What? What? What are your thoughts when you hear that? Yeah. First of all, I grew up in Gadsden, Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Sorry, forgive me. Uh, Thirty thousand people in the George Wallace era. Mm. Uh, interesting Wallace. enough, mm-hmm. I never went to a black school, mm. and I'm 67. My mother went to high school at Coretta King, and she took the torch of desegregation in Gadsden, mm. and so. It was up until my junior year of college at Fisk University when I transferred. And I was that was the seventy two, which was the last class that they didn't have they had used to have the paperback, brown paperback test at Fisk. And if wow. you were darker your photo, darker than a paperback, you didn't get accepted. Mm. There were exceptions if your parents could write a a large check. Uh but those were very, very tough times. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of kids, uh, people don't realize how many young people, the, the state troopers, the police, they made no exceptions for women, for kids, for elderly. Mm. Uh, they would beat all of us, uh, electric pride us, uh, just very degrading things that we had to go through to be able to sit here mm. so that you could sit here, that your listeners could listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those people should never be forgotten. Uh, and and right now, what I see is all of us has to have to have more social courage to speak up, speak out, speak against racism, sexism, xenophobia, homophobia. But we have to do it quicker, faster, sooner. Mm. Often we sit around and we talk amongst ourselves, but we're afraid to go outside of these these walls and express what someone in this office might have said that offended us. Mm. And that's social courage. Yeah. And we all need more social courage. And to take make it the to the change. voting booth. Yeah. That's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, all the talking, you know, it's about voting. Yeah. 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 What what did you think of that SNL skit, uh, the day Beyonce turned black? I thought it was, it was funny as hell. Yeah. I, I I I try not to I try to as I get older learn to laugh and enjoy yeah. and not to put 
too much in emphasis and try to dissect it and just sometimes have fun. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was. I know some people had a different perspective of yeah, it, but yeah. I thought it was funny. Do, do you think, I mean, Beyonce's way into her career now, but do you think that it hurts an artist being political, in the be- a black artist being political in the beginning of the career? Is it dangerous? Yeah, it is. I mean, you can't make change, effective change, until you have a, a an audience. Mm. I mean, what's the f- point of trying to be radical and you're talking to 10 people. I would much rather have that radical dialogue with 10 million people. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, build a career and then you sh- can make real effective change. Yes, yes. H- how did you teach your kids about about business? I mean, Beyonce's a great talent, but she's clearly a businesswoman, right? So what was, and, and Solange as well. Uh, and how, how did you, what was your way to just pass that down, to have a business mind, no matter what you yeah, do? Good question. I, I think, you know, I was, again, at corporate America and uh, fortunate to be successful. But we also, my former wife and I, we owned a major hair salon yeah. in, in Houston um, that did extremely well. And so our kids got to see us, and we shared with them our successes. But however, we also shared our failures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we really were engaged with our kids, and I was engaged with the kids. So uh, I think that made a difference. But let me tell you this. The thing I'm most proud of with Solange and Beyonce is not all the plaques and awards. And don't get me wrong, I am exceptionally proud of that. But more so that they're good people. And, and think about it. You just don't read a lot of dumb stuff that they do. Not at all. They they uh, are very respectful, regardless if you're the janitor or the president. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. That's what I'm most proud of. Yeah. I interviewed Beyonce during Dreamgirls, and she was incredibly nice. She was yeah. incredibly kind. Uh I love that you you own the trademark to Destiny's Child, right? Yes, I created the name. Yeah, you create you, you own the trademark. What tips do you have for folks who, is, as far as the publishing side of it? Because it seems like with the way that streaming works and that publishing is so crucial, it's not enough to just uh, be a performer. Yeah, public. but I, I, I caution when you do things just to make money. Okay. And, and publishing certainly is one of the four ways of making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to grow into being a songwriter. You can't just today say, I'm going to start writing songs. And you, you know, co-wrote Survivor, correct? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I'm I'm chanting. That's me chanting on Survivor. Oh, really? <laughs> I actually went in the studio. Uh, but, you know, I do caution people to to grow into that, artists to grow into that, and to learn and, and have a mentor to teach you, really, about songwriting and mm-hmm. how to express your emotions. Was there a Destiny's Child song that you uh, – said, I don't, I don't like it that much, then it was a major hit, and you were like, whoa, I didn't see that coming? No, it was just the reverse. Um, you know, I exec- executive produced a lot of the songs, and there was this one song that uh, uh, one of the artists was not putting on her album that became a number one hit. Mm-hmm. And when I heard it, I, I said, no, we have to put this on the album. What song was it? I'm not telling you. <laughs> I'm not telling you that. See, the good thing about, you know, my next book coming out is uh, Marketing and, and Public Relations. Mm-hmm. And you see I have my publicist here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they looking at me. <laughs> yeah, and that's my wife, Gina. Oh, nice yeah. nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm proud of Gina. She was uh, one of the first blacks to be a stewardess with Pan Am and a wow. model with Wilhelmina. Oh, wow. 12 years, Vanessa Williams' assistant. Oh, I love Vanessa Williams. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. <laughs> you know, speak to that media training. I feel like... Uh, 
No, but what I was about oh, I'm to sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, cut what you I was, off. What I was about to say was that, you know, I always tell my artists, you don't have to answer a question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows deflection better than Donald Trump. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He will deflect a question in a heartbeat. At the threat of this very democracy. He will yeah. he will twist it around. But I feel like a lot of artists today, I feel like media training is a bit of a lost art form. Maybe yeah, it's because it of is. Twitter and social media and people just babbling all the time. I mean, I feel like that we kind of need, like, we don't have to know everything you, you feel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I still believe the power of what you guys are doing. Yeah. Especially uh, talk radio and, yeah. and, and combining that with music and you know, it's very important that artists develop it. We're now in a microwave yeah. success, you know, yeah. and, and that will only last a certain amount of time. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing artists that five years ago everybody was talking about. Yeah. Uh, now nobody's talking about them. And I miss when an artist would grow. So, you know, you have Destiny's Child. with their girl's time, right? And, you know, they grow and grow and grow. I, You know, I so think about Destiny's Pink. Child had... Uh, Five different names. Yeah. Girls Time. Um, then they went to Atlanta and became the Dolls. Mm -hmm. Then they went back to Houston and became Something Fresh. Then they became uh, Something Fresh became Cliché. And then Cliché became Destiny. Yeah. And then we got a cease and desist because there's a girl group in Mississippi named Destiny. Mm -hmm. And then they became Destiny's Child. Yeah. And so this musical takes you on this journey through yeah. all of those names. And then you mentioned Pink. Uh, she was in a girl group, right? Yeah. At the same time, yeah, she was with L.A. Reid, and Daryl Simmons was L.A. is still L.A. Reid's writing partner, and Face was he had TLC, so they all three had girl groups, and they liked to compete because they were best friends and mm -hmm. they lived in the same neighborhood, and so, you know, Babyface had TLC, and uh, uh, L.A. Reid had Pink. Uh, group and then Daryl Simmons had the dolls, which yeah. ended up being Destiny's Child. Nowadays, if you're not a hit right off the bat, it's a wrap. It's a, it's it's unfortunate. But I'm sorry, Matthew Knowles. Thank you for being here, sir. I really appreciate it. So we have the Destiny's Child musical. It's coming to Texas next year. Hopefully, you could come back and wrap it up with me. I'm so happy. I, I love to learn from people who've mastered I this industry. I would love to come back. There's a lot of things that we're doing and. Uh, you know, we're running out of time, but I want to come back yeah. soon. Yes, So Thank would you. you make that happen? Yes, yes, we'll make it happen. How Mr. my people talk to your people? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mr. Matthew Knowles, thank you so much. Clay Kane Show, head into a break. You're listening to The Clay Kane Show.